This is The Hockey Flow. I'm pleased to share it with Adam Boucher and Marco D'Amico. And you can find their all their amazing work right here on the show, but also they're available all over the interwebs. Let's start with Adam Boucher. You can find them at ReallyAdamB. And Marco D'Amico can be found at ScribbageStats.com and, of course, on Twitter at TheHockeyExpert. I'm AJ Cordero. Let's get right into the show with the biggest news, which was in Montreal, surprisingly, that Eric Stahl was dealt from the Buffalo Sabres to Montreal in exchange for a 2021 third and fifth round pick. And let's start off with you. What are your takes? What's your What are your thoughts on this? So this was the biggest news of the the Habs week off due to to COVID protocol. Um, I mean, second best, biggest news. Uh, Yeah, I I see Marco waving. Um, I mean, I like the trade. Eric Stahl, we're getting him at half his salary. So Buffalo retained 50% of his salary. Um, What else to say? He brings depth to Montreal's center line. He's... Is he going to slot maybe at fourth? He's going to get probably power play time on the second wave. Uh, at this point, you have to you have to think maybe is a Dano trade coming for Montreal? If not, I mean, you have four solid centers that can rotate. If if one guy has a a bad night, you have you have more depth and you have Jake Evans in the stands as of now. So it's going to be interesting to see. But I like the trade for Montreal, and it's a arguably no risk at all because they still got a third and a fifth for for the next draft so it was basically spare picks at this point yeah in fact they had before the trade they had three uh thirds and three fifths um now they're down to two of each which is irrelevant at this point because they have a first two seconds two thirds three fourths and two fifths so uh, a classic uh bargain bin style trade now Obviously, it, it, it's pretty impressive to me because the cap gymnastics to make that work. The fact that it was a third and a fifth for Eric Stahl, I mean, with 50% retained, I don't think anybody can complain about this. Um, I think it adds a few things. It adds experience down the line with, you know, Dano is the only one with more than 200 games experience. So that wasn't going to work if you're going to try to go deep into the playoffs. Um so we, you know, we know that Eric Stahl is, is, is a strong at center. He's 6'4", so the size is there. Obviously not exactly the fastest, although faster than Corey Perry, so it's, it's going to be okay. Um, one thing that nobody really is talking about, though, is that, um, and Adam kind of alluded to it, is the fact that he is a left shot. Um, and Eric Stahl will present the best left shot at, like ability in terms of scoring uh, after Thomas Tatar. And that was something that I found was lacking for the Montreal Canadiens was a shooter on the left side. If, in a game situation, Dominic Ducharme decides to cut the bench down to nine to, 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 to three lines instead of four, well, then you have a prime candidate to, you know, put to the left of Kakanyemi and, and Tyler Toffoli and make a third line, right? You, you move Tyler Toffoli back to the right wing, and then you have... Eric Stahl on the left wing and and Kakaniemi. That is a big line. So it gives Dominic Ducharme the flexibility and it gives the Canadians that much more uh, added depth. It's it's their sixth ring on the team. Um, and one thing that I will say is that by bringing in veterans like this, you're better insulating your younger players. Uh, I have my own reservations on how Kakaniemi is being utilized by the Canadians as we speak. Uh, but definitely this will make it so that you will never see a Paul Byron uh, and an Arturi Lekkonen on the third line ever again for the rest of this season. 
because you bring in a depth quality player like this. Um, the one thing that I will say that's surprising is the fact that Buffalo didn't get more based on the fact that they retained 50% of his salary. I mean, a lot of people will look at his stats and be like, oh, well, you know, we only had two goals and 10 points in 30-ish games uh, with Buffalo. Yeah, but um, I don't know if you've seen the stat line in Buffalo, but everybody underperformed. And generally speaking, I don't know, but when people kind of leave Buffalo, they tend to increase their offensive production. I mean, I, I think there's like this Stanley Cup winner, Conn Smite winner. Um, I can't seem to put a name. I think his name is Ryan O'Reilly. I'm not quite sure, though. Um, it was just a key example. Um, and going on to show that really there's something wrong structurally in Buffalo. Uh, and I don't think that Eric Stahl's season is indicative of what he's capable of. In fact, I think he's far closer to what he did in Minnesota. So very, very uh, uh, much excited uh, and very happy to get his quarantine finished up because I feel like this is the kind of guy that can teach your two young centers, three young centers. And when, you know, the AHL season ends and you have your black aces, maybe even four or five young centers, uh, a little bit about the NHL. And, and I feel like Eric Stahl is that classic veteran. So uh, kudos to Mark Bergevin. I think that was a savvy move, um, but I'm very interested to see where they go from here because they can't even, they can't add anymore. So clearly, as Pierre Lebrun alluded to, further moves are to come. And I think it's it's important to note that Stahl did have a, a no-trade cause. So I guess maybe the, the, only the two picks they got in return for him, even when with retu- uh, retaining some salary, maybe he they were limited in who he wanted to go to. And look, as Marco said, like Stahl just came off of a 47-point season last year. So he's definitely not done. And his stat line in Buffalo really isn't indicative of what he, he's capable of and just great veteran presence for for the young players oh absolutely and and to add montreal was on his no trade clause list like he, he did not want to go to montreal and the reason for that was because he didn't want to know anything about the 14-day quarantine now that it's been reduced to seven he waived to go to montreal and that's what allowed that trade to happen so Very interesting to see that players just simply want nothing to do with the quarantine period. And I understand now why the NHL is pushing so hard to bring it down to seven. Now, many people will think that that's an ethical issue. Uh, that's up for debate. Uh, but in my honest opinion, I feel like this adds a far larger level of flexibility to Canadian teams. Amen to that. And uh, flexibility is just reflected all throughout this Montreal Canadian spine as we see another graduate from the 2003 draft and joining the team. Let's get right into it uh, about a new player joining LA, and that's Brendan Lemieux moving from the New York Rangers over to the other side, the West Coast. Um, Adam, this was a trade for a 2021 fourth pick. Uh, what you, What's your thoughts on this particular sh- move? Uh, at this point, I, I feel like it's just New York trying to, to acquire picks. Like Brendan Lemieux, we saw him in the news maybe this season for for not the right reason i could say so he's uh he's going to bring some grit to the LA Kings but not much more to add on that one it's just the rangers starting to acquire picks i guess yeah but it's also worth noting that the rangers have just an absolute plethora of young wingers in their lineup right they have they have Lafreniere um they now have Vitali Kravtsov Uh, whose KHL season has ended and who should be joining momentarily, uh, should be inserted into the lineup either tonight 
uh, as we record or in in the next few days. Um, Kapokako, who seems to be turning in the corner, and then obviously Panarin, Bushnevich, Kreider. So clearly there was no room for him moving forward. Uh, and they did have Blackwood as well that really has kind of um, has kind of brought himself to another level. So I really like what's going on uh, with the Rangers in terms of developing their wingers. Um, but definitely an excess player that was worth trading. And, and again, it's, it's the New York Rangers. Uh, they're still in their rebuild phase. So it makes sense to acquire picks in worst case scenario. If there's a player that they need um, or they need a sweetener of any kind, there's an extra pick for you. So better that than to lose the player for nothing and not qualify him at the end of the year. Like so many teams did this summer and are probably going to do in the summer that follows in, in the next two, three months. Um, so good on New York getting something for nothing. Always pretty good for me. And I mean, speaking of the Rangers, you know, we have to segue this speaking of the Rangers, you know, there's been few players in the league that have been known as like killers of a said team but to do so in, in a fashion that is just so unapologetically dominating uh, would be that of Mika Zibanejad versus the Philadelphia Flyers. Now, we joked about this the first time it happened where he had a, a hat trick and a six-point night versus the Philadelphia Flyers. And then I remember joking with, with, with Adam on this, being like, uh, you know, man, it's, it's, this is the only way he, he was able to get points this season because, frankly, he, he was having a subpar season when he wasn't playing against the Philadelphia Flyers. And, and, and what does our boy Mika do? Uh, he does it again and gets another six points, another hat trick and another six points versus the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, and at that point he had, I believe it was 25 points in, in 36 games and uh, or 26 points in 36 games. And half of them came from the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, so very, very incredible, pretty intense. Uh, unfortunately for Mika Zibanejad, though, they played the, uh, they, they, they played the Flyers immediately after, and he only had one point in that game. Uh, so we were all left, uh, very sad that he only had 13 points in three games versus the, uh, the Philadelphia Flyers, but that was utter dominance, uh, from his part, utter dominance. It was crazy, honestly. And, and his, the second game where he got another hat trick, first of all, it was a natural hat trick and all three goals came on the power play. That's unsurprising, though, when you think about it. He really is a trigger man. Uh, that shot is pretty pretty incredible. But worth noting, worth noting, uh, the Philadelphia Flyers are going through their own little situation right now. So it's it's pretty it's hilarious when you look at like narratives in the NHL and seeing how like things converge. You know, because we're probably going to touch on Buffalo a little later, and that's another story that has to deal with the Flyers. But let's just isolate the Flyers versus the Rangers here. That's some pretty wild stuff going on right now with Carter Hart and, and the Flyers. Um, and, and the Flyers, again, like it, it's not just Carter Hart. They just waved uh, Shane Goss's bear today as well. So there's a lot of moves. And I feel like this is a team that's desperate to move because the, the they seem to be losing ground uh, in, in the playoff race in the East. And this is where I wanted to kind of touch base with, with Adam on this is like, Okay, cool. Mika Zibanejad absolutely destroyed and owned the Flyers, which is really cool to me. But here's the bigger issue at hand. What is going on with the Philadelphia Flyers? You know, they're, they're, 
a lot of people seem to be putting this on Carter Hart. I don't. I I personally don't see how this is Carter Hart's fault. But uh, you know, Adam pointed it out. He was scratched the other day. Uh, at, uh, Carter Hart has no business being scratched. I think he's a young goalie that was put into a position uh, where he had early success, similarly to Carey Price. His sophomore season is not what they wanted it to be, similarly to Carey Price, and he's now being put aside because of the failures of the team that's in front of him. Um, and this is something we've been talking about, you know, like the Philadelphia Flyers defense is simply just not built well. Uh, losing Matt Niskanen was a huge hole for them, no matter what Flyers fans care to say. Um, I feel like they lack a lot of right-handed shot defensemen, and so that makes them very easy to see coming. Uh, and I feel like... It was also their most stable defenseman. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Defensively, well, I mean, like, defensively yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think overall, I think still to this day, Provorov is, is their, their number one. But Niskanen was that balance, right? You needed a right-handed shot to really help that transition game. And I feel like that's where they're getting beat right now. And ultimately speaking, I feel like the forwards aren't doing enough. Like, you know, like they, they started off very strong. Joel Farabi, JVR started the season very, very strong. And I feel like that veteran core is just simply not kind of living up to the standards uh, that they needed to live up to, to earn their paycheck. Should the Flyers miss the playoffs this year, guys? I, I wouldn't be very surprised at an utter blow-up of that older core of players, that the, the Giroux, the Voracek's, the Couturier's, etc. I wouldn't. I, I don't think that they're all going to be there next year. So it's something to keep an eye on, and I expect the Flyers to be excessively aggressive at the trade deadline. We've already heard their GM come out and straight up say, uh, we're looking to make moves and nobody wants to move which is news to Kevin Adams and Mark Bergevin because they seem to make a trade no problem. And, and look, they still, they still have a bunch of value on, on that roster. You, you mentioned Couturier. He only played 23 games this season and he's over a point per game. So when he was healthy, he's still, he's still very good. You have even Giroud. And it was mentioned today when they waved Goss's bear that they were trying to make some cap space for, for a big move. So... We'll see what, what happens in, in the next hours and next couple of days until the deadline. But, I mean, when someone hints to, to a big move, it always gets the fan base excited. excited. And, look, we'll, we'll hope that it's an actually a big, like, a big deal, right? Not just minor league moves. Well, look, I mean, yeah, we can talk about it. But a team that I think could benefit greatly from Goss's bear right now is the Florida Panthers. Florida Panthers just lost Aaron Eckblad for the season, and they can you, you, they have the space to acquire him. They don't even need to put Aaron Eckblad on LTIR. So I think waving Gostas Bear is a way for teams to get his $1 million uh, cap savings, $1.075 million cap savings down so that he can be under the cap when the, when the trade deadline hits. And then when the playoffs start, he can just be called up, no problem. So, very interesting. Uh, expect to see a lot of capture convention on April 12th. But uh, I think the Flyers are, are looking to move, and they're looking to move now. And, do you, like, ultimately, do you see a team picking up Goss's Bear as of now, or is it more of a, a signal, like, we're open to trade him? I think the signal has launched almost a year ago. I think they're more open to trading him now than ever before. I don't think they'll be looking for a large return. I think it's just salary in, salary out, a salary that can help them 
do what they're looking to do. Ultimately, yeah, you said Florida could just pick, like, could just trade for him. No, they have the no, capacities. They, they can, they could just claim him. Yeah, that's the point. Why, up. why not? Is there like absolutely? Yeah, but I feel like why, you know, why a take on the contract slot and b why not just allow him to pass through waivers, him count for a million dollars and fifty thousand dollars, a million seventy five thousand dollars less, and then trade for him for a nothing asset. Or, or a pick for that matter, and give you that fl- that cap flexibility. So when the season ends, you can just call them up because the cap no longer applies in the playoffs. It's an interesting bit. It's an interesting bit, and I feel like teams are going to get extremely creative given the COVID situation and given how close everybody is to the cap. Let's jump back actually to something you said, uh, Marco, which is the dumpster fire that is the Sabres right now. We are all kind of... I think even Toronto fans are finding relief in them losing losing in spectacular for fashion last night. Uh, anyways, Adam, you were the one who alerted us to all this, so why don't you start off? What what are your, what's happening with Buffalo right now? Buffalo is going down. <laughs> <laughs> there's no other way to there's no other way to phrase it. They're going down. They've lost 18 in a row. Uh, they just, they were up. So last night on Monday they were up 3-0 to the Flyers going into the third. And a minute left in the third, a minute and a half left into the third, they were up 3-2 and they just completely butchered an empty net goal. Uh, I forget who scored afterwards. I think it was uh, Provorov who, or Provorov scored in OT. So in, all in all, the Flyers tied the game and they went up to, to lose 30 seconds into OT. So... Buffalo just can't buy a win, and it looks like they're just gonna go and and sell everyone at the deadline. At this point, just just stop. You have better teams in the AHL at this point, or that have better cohesiveness. It's just it's a there's no other word to say it. It's a dumpster fire at this point. I mean, we talked about it in passing. I don't think um, I don't think the Buffalo Sabers have much left in them right now and it's not from a lack of talent i feel like it's just an overall lack of desire at this point i think everybody kind of sees the writing on the wall there will be no players uh, no playoffs in buffalo for i believe a 10th or 11th season straight i i cannot fathom to research that because it would make me sad um but ultimately i feel like there is a structural issue in buffalo that just cannot be undone I feel like you can kiss goodbye guys like Rasmus Ristolainen um, in the offseason or, or key veteran, you know, guys that have been there for so long, like Sam Reinhardt. Uh, I think, I think, honest to God, the only player that I would not trade on that roster is Rasmus Dahlin. Everybody else is up for grabs, and I meant everybody else. That includes Jack Eichel. Whatever they can get for Jack maybe Eichel. Maybe Cousins. Maybe, maybe you keep Cousins and Dali. Cousins, and- okay. Anybody drafted over the last three years cannot be moved. I think that's fair. I feel like Jack Eichel can return a monster's sum. I know that he's a franchise centerman. I get it. But I just don't see what the point... If, 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 if you're going to really just blow it up and, and just start anew and, and try to just like not strike out on free agents like you do every year, then I just feel like going to get 
the maximum return that you can get for a guy like Jack Eichel, make a hockey trade, right? And and this is where the benefit comes to the Buffalo Sabres. They can take on salary. They have a plethora of, of, of picks. Um, and, and they have a lot of young players. So they will get whatever they want for Jack Eichel. And there will be no shortage of teams that are going to be lining up to give him what he wants. He has no trade protection. Now, if they want to keep Jack Eichel and continue to try and build around him and, and build around Rasmus Dahlin, I have no problem with that either. But I think it's become abundantly clear that they have two priorities in this offseason. They need a bona fide number one goalie. Bonafide. I don't mean your, and excuse my language, your bullshit pickups that you make at like $2 million a year, your Carter Huttons, your, your Olmarks, your, your Uko Pekkanainen, like, no. A bona fide number one goalie, sir. And then after that, you're going to get a bona fide top four right defenseman that can actually play defense. You heard me, Ristolainen, actually play defense. And then that team might reach mediocrity. But at that point, they need their prospects to hit. And I feel like this is where the this is the summer where the Buffalo Sabres need to be aggressive. They need to have stuff moving. They need to have stuff coming in. So if this franchise is going to get any better, their ownership needs to be more aggressive in trades. They need to stop selling players at the wrong time. Ryan O'Reilly being the, the biggest one, in my opinion. And they need to continue to surround their young players with key veterans that want to be there, want to succeed, and are actually looking to win. You tried to do that with Eric Stahl, and your season bombed. You need more of those moves coupled with key uh, trades where you will be able to insulate your young players. Because right now, all you're doing is... is just, It's almost like you're throwing all your prospects to the fire and hoping that one of them puts it out. And I don't feel like that... that the last time I saw a team do that, it was the Montreal Canadiens, and they didn't win anything in 20 years. So don't do that. I can tell you from experience. Uh, surround them with actual proper veterans, and you will succeed. So my condolences to Buffalo Sabres fans. You guys have always been pretty chill uh, in, 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 in North Division games. Or, or sorry, Northeast. And uh, what, are we, what are we called? I forgot what we're called. Atlantic Division? Prior to the COVID, the Atlantic Division, you guys were always chill. Uh, so I really hope that uh, Kevin Adams can turn this around for you because this is pretty ridiculous. But regardless of, of the trades, the, the players, you just blow it up. They're still like, I feel like they have immovables. That, and, and Jeff Skinner that signed 9 million through 2030, it feels like. And then Okposo signed for 6 million until 2023. It's like those two guys almost account for 20% of your cap. Like... Are you really like? Are you trying to maybe pay for for them to be moved? Are you, like, I feel like there's so much more to just blowing it up. I feel like they have so much more to they need to fix internally before they do. But then again, we'll see if they, as Marco stated, if they blow it up like hundred percent, you trade Jack Eichel, you get the biggest return possible, you get assets, you get picks, and it's it's it sucks to say, but you you. Pull, pull down the, the the franchise maybe another five years until they're they're relevant or so, but you have to blow it up 100%. They need to give it one actual final go where they trade these long-term pieces like the Reinhardts, the, the Ristolainens, 
um, before they actually blow up this core. And I and and when I mean blow up the score, I mean trade Jack Eichel. That that I would give it one more year. I don't think they're gonna give it one more year. I think Jack Eichel is a done with Buffalo and will probably request a trade, but we'll see what happens. I think I I personally he's injured, but it it just feels like he doesn't want to be no, there. No, exactly. Like, and I don't think know? any trade is going to happen now. It, it'll be in the offseason. You don't move $10 million during this season. Um, it, it really, you know, it really, to me, I feel like Jack Eichel is done. And I feel like a team that would move a lot for Jack Eichel would be the New York Rangers. It would be so good. Like It would. And they have the young assets to do it. You know, Capo Caco and whatever the hell else you want. And that deal is done. So it's going to be very interesting to see. Um, you know, Buffalo's got a lot of uh, key assets. So I... And New York could be one of the teams that trade away a goalie. In that oh, trade. yeah. Georgia could, could potentially be yeah. included in that trade as well. Like a Kako. Then again, is he the big number one Buffalo's looking for? Probably eh, not. But right? he might be. Right? right? Like, it just depends who's yeah. going to be going to the unrestricted free agency market as well. Like, it just... Like, let's see what happens as well. And we'll get to that. So let's jump back to waivers and signings now. Uh, we also had some big news in the Habs world with a signing to an ELC. Cole Caulfield, now with Montreal. Uh, Marco, why don't you break this down for us a little bit more? And also let's talk about Zach Fucali as well. So uh, Cole Caulfield signing his entry-level contract, signing age 20 years old, burns the first year of his entry-level contract immediately uh, because he signed as a 20-year-old uh, and not a, an 18 or 19-year-old. Uh, that means that regardless of where he goes, Laval or Montreal, he burns his contract immediately. Uh, the first year, sorry, not the entirety of it, just the first year. Um, and in doing so, um, the reason why he's going to Laval, ladies and gentlemen, you know, for anybody who's confused, Montreal simply just doesn't have the cap space at the moment after the Eric Stahl trade. They have $300,000 in projected cap space. And unfortunately, Cole Caulfield would count even prorated uh, would count for about 450 so they don't actually have the space in fact they had to use an emergency call up this evening just to bring up for leak so that being said there's you know in my opinion there's no harm in in, in allowing caulfield uh especially when the games are going to be at home uh the, the one game he's going to be eligible for in six days from now once his um once his uh, quarantine is over is actually versus the stockton heat at laval so it's going to allow uh, Joel Bouchard to use him and get him into practices and get him into shape and, and get him through practices and understand the system because Laval utilizes a very similar system to Montreal. Get him in there for two, three, four games and then boom, the trade deadline's April 12th. And, you know, there's a lot of talk that Montreal is going to be looking to move salaries. So there's a very strong potential for Cole Caulfield then being able to be called up to the NHL because quite frankly, I think he is NHL ready. Uh, do I think he's going to be a 40-goal scorer right off the bat? No. No, I do not. But do I think that he is an NHL-caliber top-nine player right now? Yes. Yes, I do. Now, uh, a lot of people will think, hey, he's small. So am I, but I've accomplished great things. So will Cole Caulfield. At the end of the day, talent wins. And I feel like Cole Caulfield has the talent, has the goal scoring. He's going to win the Hobie Baker no matter what Leafs or Edmonton Oilers fans say. This, uh, oh, and Ottawa Senators fans, but if you think Shane Pinto's winning the Hobie Baker, you have a problem. <laughs> um, that being said, I think Cole Caulfield will play or get his feet wet in the AHL, play 
two, three games and then be called up to Montreal once they've cleared enough cap space. I think this is a sound decision. I think it's the right decision for him to jump. And I don't expect him to be the only one. I expect other players, former teammates of his, to jump ship as well. That being Matt Boldy. Um, there's the opportunity for Alex Newhook to also jump pro and join the Colorado Avalanche, who looked primed for a long run uh, in the Western Conference playoffs. Um, so, you know, we're talking about Caulfield now because it's prime, but I would expect a flurry, an absolute flurry, pun intended, of uh, signings of top NCAA talent um, by the end of the Frozen Four. So that would be the 9th of April. So I, I'm rather excited. In regards to Zachary Fucali, I mean, hey, good for him. He was able to get it. It was at a two-year contract extension. You know, like, fantastic. This is a guy that's kind of been a rover, um, you know, had no future in Montreal, was immediately surpassed by Caden Primo. Um, you know, if, if he's able to find his game and is 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 going to be that third-string goalie for the Washington Capitals, fantastic for him. Um but still, to me, uh, Zachary Fucale is the exact reason why, unless a goalie is utterly elite, like an Askarov or, or a Vasilevsky, you do not spend a high draft pick on a goalie. That's, that's the moral of my story when I think of Zachary Fucale. But that being said, I'm thankful that he's sticking around in the NHL, and I'm thankful that he was able to get that kind of assurance, especially in a pandemic situation, uh, for two more seasons. And and that's after basically going to win the Spangler Cup, and he just like look, it's just good for him. He he fought back, and now he's getting a two year extension. Good for him. So let's jump now from that talk to the divisional talk. Yes, folks, it is that time of the week where we recap the NHL action, and uh, we're going to keep it short this week, to be honest, because there's not really that much movement. So let's start off in our home division here in the North. Adam, what do you want to take away from that? Let's get again. Let's rapid fire this because we got some other big stories to get to as well. Yeah, I, we we touched on it a bit earlier. It's it's basically still the same narrative. You have Toronto, Winnipeg, Edmonton. We have we didn't get any Habs game in the past week since we recorded. Uh, that's going to be interesting to see. But as of now, we're just seeing basically Calgary and Vancouver just having played the most amount of games and still not reaching that level that that number four spot for a playoff spot. So. We'll see what happens, but uh, as of now, Edmonton, Toronto, really looking like the top two teams in the division, and then you have Winnipeg, who's kind of falling in, in between, but uh, no real action. Really excited to see Montreal bounce back the, tonight with the first game in, in what feels like forever. So Jumping from that division, let's. Uh, what, Marco, what do you want to talk about? What's the next division that you want to I look mean- at? You know, we, we the North Division, I find this hilarious. Montreal is KO for a week, and they stay fourth in the division. And they're only two points away. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, but with six games in hand, you know, it, it's pretty ridiculous how Calgary proceeded to bomb the last week when they could have just, like, taken off. Uh, thank you, Ottawa Senators. It's the only good thing you've done in 10 years. Um, and then... The same on the same token, um, you know, when you have Calgary that continues to to, to lose, um, you know, Montreal is still within grasp of the playoffs, and uh, it makes a lot of sense to me. It it just looks like 
we really are trending, trending, I say, for the first Montreal versus Toronto series since 1979. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the only time you're going to hear me do this. But isn't it damn time? Isn't it time for a Montreal Canadiens versus Toronto Maple Leafs playoff series? I don't care if you're a Leafs fan. I don't care if you're a Habs fan. Wouldn't that just be fun? AJ, wouldn't that just be fun? Amen. I think the man right? said it. Like, <laughs> can we just make this happen? <laughs> just get fast forward to that part. Like this. that's all we care. Can we just like end the season right now and just have like Edmonton play Winnipeg, have Montreal play Toronto? Can we just do this? I don't care. And uh, now turning our attention to the Honda West division. Uh what are your notables here? Obviously Vegas still leading the pack, but uh you know, Colorado not far behind. Colorado is really shooting up the standings right now. I feel like it's Colorado's division at this point. They're hot. Uh, they're really going for it this season. Uh, I feel like this is a team that's going to add a lot. Um, you know, I think they're they're not in the Taylor Hall sweepstakes like many thought. But at the same time, they're 8-0-2 in their last 10 games. Um, I feel like Vegas is keeping pace. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury is having a crazy season at this point. Um, so for me... Those are the top two teams to the surprise of absolutely no one. Where I find that it's a little bit more surprising is the fact that the Minnesota Wild are 7-2-1 in the last 10, and they're still keeping pace. I feel like that's the story of that division, um, other than uh, you know the San Jose Sharks just being a colossal disaster. Uh, I feel like the Minnesota Wild are really the story of that division. And we're seeing... Well, we're seeing Arizona just one point away from St. Louis for that last playoff spot with the same amount of games played. So that's maybe something to look uh, to look forward to. Maybe that battle for that last spot. But it feels like for the past week, it's been really the top three teams in that division just battling out. Turning our attention now to the East Coast, where Washington is still holding a firm lead on the top spot. And we've already discussed the troubles of Buffalo, so we'll save them the grief of going even more in depth on that but if we could look at the last at the central division uh we have tampa bay still leading the pack over there detroit at the bottom of this one any thoughts on either of these two divisions gentlemen um well look i mean ultimately that's that that central division there the 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 what do we discover central we've talked about this for a long time i think it's a three-headed uh horse race uh that where but you know tampa bay carolina florida pretty much have it in the bag at this point um, what I find to be very interesting is the fact that the Nashville Predators are in a playoff spot. I find that really, really funny because, you know, two weeks ago we were talking about like a fire sale on their hands, like where they were going to trade Ekholm and they were going to trade Forsberg and, you know, would they consider even trading, you know, uh, yeah, Duchesne or Johansson? And here they are in the playoff spot, over 500 for the first time in the season, literally tied with the Chicago Blackhawks. So I find that really interesting. I think they're right back in the neck of thing, uh, the, the the heat of things. Uh, but one team that could supplant them all, and I think I've been saying this literally since they came back from COVID in like February, is the Dallas, Dallas. Stars. The Dallas Stars have enough games in hand to surpass both the Nashville Predators and the Chicago Blackhawks should they win those games however they're under 500 at this point so it doesn't look likely uh, and then you just have detroit so for me um 
I think the most interesting thing in this division is going to be who finishes first and who gets that fourth spot. I think that's pretty fair. And it's it's we saw Nashville grabbing that last spot. It's basically we saw uh, UC Saros just getting the first start of the week, I believe, in the the past week. He went on a three game win streak with one shutout, so that was pretty good. And we also had Rene who started to to play well. So we'll see what happens with Nashville. But yes, Dallas is the team to look forward to in in, in the next week. So we have a couple of stories to re- start, sort of round out the show today, but uh, we'll start off with a sad note, which is Aaron Eckblad. And unfortunately, he's going to miss the remainder of the season. Um, it's, it was very sad. Uh, Marco, do you want to start off with this a little bit? I mean, that was a gruesome uh, knee injury that's kept him out for the rest of the season. He's going to be uh, going through surgery now, and, and that'll be pretty much it. Um, you know, I, I, I feel for the player because, I mean... He was having a career year. It's it sucks when you're having a career year when you're when you're told that you are a bust and you're bouncing back and and your team is pushing for a playoff spot and you know you're the number one defenseman and and you've really reached another level in your game and that happens. So for me, it's it sucks because I feel like he's he was coming into his own. Uh, you know he's 25 years old now. I feel old as you know heck. Because I remember when he was drafted, um, even his exceptional status for that matter, um, you know, it's just, you know, 22 points, 11 goals in 35 games over a full season would be almost 50 points and 25 goals. That's rather impressive, uh, especially when you play for the Florida Panthers. So for me, I think that he was doing great. I think he deserved all the praise in the world. And I think that the Florida Panthers, in spite of this being where they are, are going to be extremely aggressive in consequence. So uh, hopefully full recovery comes back next season in an 82-game schedule and kills it. Uh, But yeah, you hate to see it. And he's only 25 years old. It feels like, I don't know why, it feels like he was, I guess he was just so young when he joined the league. He joined at 18, if I'm not mistaken. So um, it blows to see him basically ruin his season because of an injury like that but let's hope for the best and he'll he'll bounce back next year for sure yeah we're rooting for you Aaron um it's a crappy situation to see and I think all of us kind of looked at it we all knew it was bad we just didn't I think some of us were a little hopeful that you might have returned but anyway just the best of recovery in the recovery efforts we wish you the best nothing but the best Let's move along there to uh, the working quarantine for players traded from the U.S. to Canada. Uh, so let's, we should probably get a sting where it's just like, where it goes, Marco explains. So anyways, <laughs> so let's, uh, let's turn to our Marco explains. So um, from what, um, from, from what we've understood from the Canadian government, uh, it no longer requires a 14 day quarantine period, given how the NHL and other North American leagues have been, Pretty much investing in same day uh, testing. I feel like at this point um, we we've got this. They get tested every day, sometimes even twice a day, depending on the situation. Um, so they're allowing players to cross the border uh, in private fashion. You can't take a public charter plane to Canada and and not you know quarantine for seven days. So they have to take a public charter. Uh, they cannot take a public. It has to be a private jet, or they have to drive over the border. And it's a seven-day quarantine, which is exactly what, for example, Eric Stahl did. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with the rest. But I feel like, and Adam, you tell me what you think, but I feel like this opens up 
the trade deadline for the North Division like it ain't nobody's business. Uh, and it also makes teams that are going to be sellers, most notably the the, the Ottawa Senators, uh, you know, they're gonna it's gonna open up a larger amount of clientele. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, that's going to benefit sellers. It's going to benefit, it's going to open up the market for buyers because right now it's not a, there's not a lot of traction. Um, so, you know, I think it it just benefits the league. It benefits the players. It benefits everybody. And at the end of the day, you know, I understand that a lot of people will feel frustration because why are hockey players exempt uh, and regular people are not. And the reason is you don't get tested every day. That's it. You don't get tested every day. You don't get something shoved up your nose literally every morning uh, for the last what is now going to be uh, two and a half months. And that's the reason. If you did that, I'd be okay with it too. And then one of the last few things left in the show, Crosby has reached the 1300 career points level. Wow, the eighth fastest player in NHL history to reach the mark. Uh, again, it just seems like he's just breaking records at this point. And, and the accolades are, are just well-deserved. Uh, Adam, I'll throw it over to you. Yeah, so speaking of records, we had, uh, well, actually last night, we had Patrick Marlowe playing in his 1,757 game, second most all-time in, in league history. That's crazy. It just feels like he's been playing forever. And, I mean, he's for sure going to surpass the number one. I think he's 15 games away. So, fingers crossed, he's probably going to become the the... The NHL player who's played the most games in NHL history by the end of the year. So, congrats to Patrick Marlowe. Yeah, thanks. I mean, that's impressive. Really, like when the only player in the NHL that's played more than you is Mr. Hockey. He just passed Messier. Gordie Howe is number one, and he's and he can pass Gordie Howe by the end of the season, if I'm not mistaken. Like it's it's yeah, 15 games, so he can pass him by the end of the season. That is. A testament to a few things because Gordy Howe played till he was in his fifties. That is a testament played with to his a few played things. with his kid at the Hartford uh, Whalers, right. right? Exactly, that's pretty impressive. So, Patrick Marlowe, it speaks to his longevity, and it speaks to his durability. And I feel like that to me, those two things, regardless of the fact that he won a Stanley Cup or not, I just I feel like he has everything needed for a Hall of Fame career. He did win an Olympic gold medal, ages. So you don't need to cry, but. Uh, yeah, a Stanley Cup would have been nice. Maybe he gets traded to a cup contender this time because um, obviously um, he didn't even make the playoffs last year uh, with with the uh, with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Montreal saw to that. Uh, but hopefully he gets traded to a contender this year and, and is able to go all the way. And one last stat because we're talking about records here. Patrick Marlowe, that's per NHL public relations. He's appeared in 98.3% of his team's games. 98% of his team's games. That's pretty ridiculous. This yeah, is a reliability. That's, wow, that's all of fame right there. <laughs> we all get old, apparently, but not Patrick Marlowe. Salute to you, sir. And that's it for this episode on the Hockey Flow. I'm pleased again to have enjoyed this wonderful episode, and I hope you enjoyed it too. Mark Adibica can be found at scrimmageandstats.com, and of course at the Hockey Expert and Adam B can be found at Really Adam B. Please do tweet at them. They love being chirped. Uh, if you have interesting thoughts on hockey or anything at all, please feel free to chirp them as much as you can. All right, that's it for this show. I'm Major Cordero. We'll catch you guys next week. Hey.